0: Hello, heroes. Welcome to Modifier. I'm your host, Megan Dornbrock. Hey there, heroes. This week is a game I have been excited to tell you about since I was part of a focus group for it several years ago at Metatopia. Princess World, by Kevin Petker and his daughter Freya, is a Powered by the Apocalypse game about princesses and also so much more. Kevin is absolutely wonderful and so much fun to talk to, and we talk about how this game evolved from a request by his daughter to make her a game into this vast, colorful, storytelling, community-building, problem-solving game for really everyone. One of the things I love most about Princess World is the support for young players and new players to RPGs to make playing and also GMing way more approachable. The emphasis in-game and out-of-game on working together and supporting one another is both so on-theme and so welcoming for games as a whole. I actually had the privilege of playing the first warrior princess in playtesting and Kevin has since asked me to write briefly on how I got into RPGs as one of those first princesses for the game book. And I told him that my story has some bummer elements because starting to play and especially starting to run games as I did was just, it was really daunting. I cannot overstate how much I love the idea of people foregoing that kind of bummer introduction to role playing and to collaborative storytelling and instead starting off with Princess World and feeling encouraged and empowered from the very start. But there's so much more to love about this game, so I will let Kevin tell you all about it. Let's get to the show. Hey there heroes. This week I am joined by Kevin Petker and we are going to talk about Princess World. Hey Kevin. A
1: game of girls who rule.
0: Oh, there we go! All right, already getting the tagline in. That's
1: the tagline.
0: Perfect, um, Kevin. For heroes who are unfamiliar with you and your work, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Some projects you've worked on, or places they might know you from?
1: Sure, I am a game designer, amongst other odd abilities. But um, my work tends to be in the Power by the Apocalypse realm. I have a medical, a modern medical drama game called The Ward as an Ashcan with Magpie Games. I run a lot and lot, a lot of games at uh, the Double Exposure Cons mm-hmm. and PAX East and PAX Unplugged. I've got a few games on my itch page uh, that tend towards the sadder side of things. Um, and right now I'm working on Princess World, a game of Girls Who Rule, a PBTA game of diverse princesses that was inspired by my three and a half year old daughter, Oh. who is now six.
0: Oh man, so this has been in development for a little while.
1: Yeah, the early development was pretty, was pretty light. I yeah. uh, started it. She pitched it. She pitched it to me. Like she came up with the idea and she pitched it to me after I'd gotten the ward published. And, mm-hmm. um, she's like, you got to do this. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. So I took it to yeah. dream or no, not dreamation, Metatopia mm-hmm.
0: 2019
1: or 2018. I'm sure whatever, two years ago. So I guess yeah. it went in 2018. Yeah, that's um, over. It. And I brought it as a focus group for people and they mm-hmm. put some good panels together for me to just to, to bounce the idea off. I had like two very, very sparse sheets of paper. Um,
0: That's right.
1: You might've been there actually. I think
0: I was there. This, yeah, I remember this. Yeah. Okay.
1: And, um, basically it was like every person in each of my panels that were like, you must do this. Yeah. So, um, I still felt pretty nervous about it because it is a game that is I'm focusing it like it's supposed to be for girls, basically girls age eight Mm -hmm. or nine to 13. I mean, adults play it, boys play it, maybe aliens play it. I don't know. Likely. But I felt really, I felt a little nervous of it, uh, doing it. I mean, it was exciting about my daughter wanting to do it, but I kind of felt like in a weird space, but then, do you know, Alex Roberts?
0: I do know Alex
1: Roberts. Yeah. She's very cool. (laughs) And I was sitting at the Hmm. bar with her and I was kind of like just bouncing this idea off her. And she's like, you aren't making a game for girls. I'm like, what? She's like, you're writing a love letter to your daughter that just happens to be a game. And I'm like, oh. and uh, so the power of Alex was upon me. And then I was yeah. like, I'm zooming straight forward.
0: Oh, She has that power, yeah, that she- ability to just sort of laser right into this thing you didn't even know was there.
1: Yeah, I know. Exactly. So uh, yeah, it was a, it was a really uh, uplifting yeah. experience and it just sort of, that's been my sort of touchstone. And whenever I feel a bit down about it.
0: <laughs> Is your daughter still excited about the game? Oh yeah,
1: because uh, she's always like hey. Whenever I go to a convention, did people like mm-hmm. my game? Did people play my game? So she's very yes. p- possessive of it. <laughs> and uh, I, I have a printout of the uh, ash can that she bejeweled and bedazzled and colored for me. So she's excited when I, she's like, did they like the way I colored it? So, um, um did they? Oh yeah, everyone everyone comments because like all these <laughs> jewels on the front cover that are like yeah. like little like the three dimensional jewels. So uh, wow. it's super fun. Oh.
0: So I I know that I've talked to designers before about going to Metatopia in particular but I don't think I've talked about the the focus group like run, having a focus group at at Metatopia which um so for here's who don't know Metatopia is a gate it's a game conference but it's focused on designers and you know, play testing your games in various stages of alpha, beta, whatever, but you can bring stuff as a play test. And I'm really curious to hear about your experience with that. Had you, had you done like a focus group before? Yeah, I I think I said the wrong thing there, but that's fine. Focus group.
1: I think there's three levels that they provide there. There's, um, Mm -hmm. There's focus group, alpha test and beta test and beta Mm -hmm. test is if you've got kind of a playable game, alpha test is you've got playable components that you're kind of trying to fit together Mm -hmm. and focus group is if, or you don't, you do or don't have like what you think is maybe a playable concept. Yeah. So they're a little tighter and shorter. Like I think the other, the two, the beta and alpha go for two hours generally at Metatopia or at Mm -hmm. wait, right? Metatopia. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, all, those, yeah, yeah. all those conventions, um, <laughs> they and, all the, blur together. and the focus groups are an hour long and you can just bring mm-hmm. your idea and say, Hey, here's an idea I have, or here's a concept I want to hit on. I did it with two games back then. I did it for this for, did it for princess world. Mm-hmm. And I did it for this other game. That's on my back burner called semi gods. Um, mm-hmm. both, both were well received, but princess world definitely seemed to hit some interesting notes for people and was very, yeah. I was very motivated to do it.
0: What did it look like when you brought Princess World in that state? Because I think um just, just for heroes who are are nervous about like, oh, I don't have enough. I don't have anything oh, yet yeah. to bring. Like what is what is a focus group level pre- preparedness look oh,
1: like? Oh, that is totally that is totally how I felt too. I felt that with both the games. But Princess World was two very, very sparsely uh written pieces mm-hmm. of paper, like just regular letter-sized paper. There might have been like five to 10 lines on each paper. I had like a list of some princesses that Freya and I had brainstormed. And then I kind of like just had names for like the, um, cause it's PBTA. I mean, you don't have to have stats at PBTA, but I was going with stats. I had sort of four core stats that I thought. And then I was like, what? And that's kind of my design process with PBTA. I'm like, I'm like, what will characters do in this game? And that's the basic moves. Like how will they do it? And that's the stats and who will do it. And that's the playbooks. That's, that is my basic sort of PBTA design style. So Mm -hmm. I had parts of each of those. So it was like, it was nothing. It was not playable in any shape. (laughs) Yeah. And then just, I had this idea for Princess World specifically, I had this idea. I wanted to incorporate color into it. So Mm -hmm. one of the things I wanted people to do is that you would pick a favorite color for your character. And then you would use that color whenever you did something in the game. So if you make a new, in the game now, they're called truths. If you make a new truth in the world, you'll write it in your color so you can see your effect on the world. And then you can also see other people's effect on you because they'll have you'll have their colors on you, and um, that really Mm. like caught people's attention. And it's been in actual play now that it's been going on. um, Whenever I go to a convention, I bring a gigantic thing of gel pens, and I let the players keep them. Oh, because in Princess World, once you've made a princess, your character is portable to any other Princess World.
0: Yeah, that's another. De- I didn't know that. Oh yeah, no, no. That's I, exciting. I think
1: you may have made a princess at one time. So if you have I them, did. they can play in any princess world. Uh, that, mm-hmm. their playbook might need to be updated because it's, there's been a few little Possibly. revisions. Yeah. yeah. I, a lot of, i part of my design process for princess world is because it's supposed to be an introductory game is that I wanted to really address a lot of the, um, what I feel were common issues in gameplay that maybe weren't really addressed, especially like when I started. I started mm-hmm. way back when um, like I guess the 1980s, yikes. Um, like Dungeons and Dragons, like was basically mm-hmm. the only thing. There were a few other games, but there was nothing in there to tell you how to deal with a problem at the table when it's amongst the players, not as amongst the characters or what do you yeah. do when someone can't make it? Like, what do you do with their character? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and things like that. And just how do you do a conflict? And if you ever, if the players want to do something, do you decide it in character? Do you decide it with the t- people at the table? I mean, for me, the level of people at the table is the most important level. You're there to have fun with your friends or, or colleagues or companions. Um You shouldn't be like ruining their fun just because, well, that's what my character would do. Like that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So yeah. I'm, I'm trying to address a lot of those. Friction points is what I was, I've been calling them just sort of in my design documents. Yeah. So the princess world, if your princess isn't there, if you can't come, your princess isn't there and her realm that she's from isn't there. So nothing can happen oh. to them. Okay. But if, but if you decide, and the other thing I, I want to do with princess world is show that not one person always has to be the game master. Mm-hmm. Like you can swap that out in in princess world. They're called the weaver because they're there to help weave the story together. They're not there to master it or be in control. Okay. And if a player decides, I don't want, if they're being the weaver and they're like, I don't want to be the weaver today. They can hand that responsibility to someone else who wants it. That Mm. person withdraws their character from the game. And the person who used to be the weaver brings their character into the game. Oh, and the story will continue. Like there'll still be some core elements that are still shared. Right. But now, now the night princess is here versus the shadow princess or whatever.
0: Okay. So then, so the players that that aren't there or that are taking over as the weaver, their characters have withdrawn. What about those truths that you mentioned that exist in the world? What happens to those?
1: Well, if they're written on, there's like three levels of play. Mm-hmm. There's something called short story mode, which is the Ashcan version, which is you're just doing a one shot. So it will never, it won't change between that. Like you'll, you'll be generating the truths and the ideas of, of the, session right there at the table. So Mm -hmm. there's nothing there. In what I call chapter mode, you'll have a shared world space. That'll Mm -hmm. be a piece of paper that'll have different truths on it. Those truths will stay in place okay. and you'll have adventures on that. And then I don't really have a name for this, but it's like the big campaign mode. Like I was, I've been calling it world mode. You'll have a princess world paper, like a piece of, like a big map of princess world. Yeah. And then you'll have smaller maps that are the realms that you attach to it. Ooh. And then, so if your realm isn't there, it doesn't get attached. So Mm -hmm. it's not a threat. And it's kind of, it's what I call narrative geography, Mm -hmm. where your piece of, where your realm is attached to the big realm is kind of narratively, is like a narrative positioning. If you're close Mm -hmm. on the piece of paper, then your kingdoms are near or your realms are near. So that might be they're philosophically near, they're geographically near, but it's easy to move between them. Okay. But if they're on other sides of the paper, it makes it more and more difficult to get there.
0: Ooh, okay.
1: So there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like a fiddly stuff with the actual physical structure of the game, which unfortunately may make it very tough to play online.
0: Yeah, maybe. Some of those virtual spaces, like they're, they're getting a little better with the things that you can draw and do graphically, which is. Yeah,
1: that is true. I've been talking to someone who does some roll 20 stuff. Yeah. And there are a few elements that are like, they're almost there. Yeah. So I'm just going to keep it into development and uh, I'm going to probably put it in as a stretch goal. Or at least cool. just to get some extra funding for that to see if it can be made into reality. Because there's lots of fiddly paper bits in Princess World. I found that the players, like I ran, I've run this game a lot for um like the age demographic, like nines and 13 year olds and such.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: they like having a lot of crafty stuff. Yeah. They seem to, they seem to enjoy it at least.
0: Yeah. No, I, I'm <laughs> I'm not in that age group anymore and I like it too. So I I can totally buy
1: that. Yeah, for sure. Like you have your character and you fold it up and you've like all these little strips of paper and pieces inside the yeah. character that you can make, then bring elsewhere. Yeah, it it's is. fun. At least it's, it's been super fun for me.
0: Good. That's important. So let's see. We kind of came in a little, a little sideways on how the game plays and that's fine. That's how I do. Um <laughs> But why don't we back up a little bit and talk sure. about the princesses that you, that one can play in princess world, because you do have set, some set playbooks.
1: Yeah. Uh, there's I'm definitely.
0: Curious. Yeah. Just, just curious, like who they are and like how you decided on that group of them.
1: So there are nine core princesses and then there are mm-hmm. seven extra princesses that are uh, kind of, I've released them on my Patreon, those extra mm-hmm. ones, but the nine core princesses, it was basically Freya and I sitting together and her giving me ideas and thinking of what princesses should be in the game because i mean she started with she started with pirate princess and ninja princess and skateboard princess Mm -hmm. so those are the um those are definitely in the uh, we changed ninja princess to shadow princess just to sort of diversify her a bit and avoid any kind of uh, like sort of cultural appropriation with the term ninja and it's opened up a lot like people have really they look at that character a lot differently now and see her uh, greater potential i guess so yeah, the nine court princesses are the proper princess, which is probably the princess you think of first, just in your mental image, like a crown and a gown and a scepter or something. So she's about poise and social control and social situations. She's like a social combatant. Um, like, Ooh, so okay. she, she those can, can be very powerful. Oh yeah. No, exactly. I mean, she is very powerful in those, in those, uh, avenues. So mm-hmm. she's very much about like asserting her authority uh, and telling people what to do and getting them to do it just by her sort of presence. Um But she can have some tricks up her sleeve. That's not all she does, but that's sort of her focus. There's the pirate princess who is can be a swashbuckler. She's a troublemaker, or at least she gets, can get into trouble. Um, she's kind of got a dark side to her. She potentially can. So you don't really know if she's good or bad, but she'll get you into places that maybe you shouldn't get into, but that you want to get mm-hmm. into. There's the fairy princess who is sort of a magical creature. She's definitely fae in that she can be wonderful or she could be monstrous or and she can switch between them. Um, she can be very unpredictable, but she can also be grant you wishes, but sometimes she'll grant them the way she wants. And sometimes she'll grant mm-hmm. them the way you want.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and a very popular princess is the space princess who is,
0: Heck yeah.
1: she's kind of like a science princess, but she's like the investigator princess. Like she can, Ooh. she's got sort of like a, a, a different perspective. She can analyze things and figure out sort of different, um, like the problems or what you might be missing or ideas or, or like, I guess sort of synthesize new ideas on what's going on in the game. Hmm. There's the skateboard princess. Um, she's, I, I came up with this, a slogan for her just recently, which is, she is, I got to think I get it right now. She's self-defined, self-motivated and self-propelled. <laughs> so she, she, love it. she is very much like you make her the way she is. She's a rule breaker. She can literally break yeah. actual rules in the game. Like she can break game rules.
0: Ooh,
1: um, nice. but she's like, yeah, very much like you define her. She is, she has a ride, She gets places, Mm -hmm. she's fast, and she's definitely an independent, but she's also kind of an inspiration.
0: Hmm.
1: And then there is there are the warrior and the knight princesses. So they're both sort of like Mm -hmm. combat types where the warrior princess is kind of very much focused on fighting and being super strong and tough. And the knight princess kind of balances those social noble aspects with the uh, being a good combatant. So there's a lot of different sort of arenas that conflict can happen in the game. And some have strengths in some and some have weaknesses in others. Yeah. Then there's the shadow princess, as I mentioned before. So she's kind of a stealth spy, a disguised princess. She can appear as anyone or no one. She can get in and out. So she's very quick and sneaky, but like some characters Mm -hmm. don't trust her, right? That's part of her sort of shtick Mm -hmm. is you're not sure what's real and what's her mask.
0: Mm, Okay. And
1: then the last princess of the core nine that Frey came up with was she's like, I don't know. There's a, a book called the uh, the Paper Bag Princess by I think Robert Munch. Mm-hmm. and it's about a princess who gets everything burnt up in her kingdom by a dragon except for her crown and a paper bag, which she wears. Hmm. And Freya was like, "I want to have a dirty, messy princess in this game," and I'm like, "Okay, that's cool. Let's let's think what that would be." And we came up with the Pauper Princess. Oh, so it's a princess who's lost everything except being a princess. So she's very much about like mm-hmm. self reliance, but she can also like be like a boost to her friends as well. So she's, she can get things done because she knows how to do without. Interesting. So it's very much, it's very much a different kind of princess. I just had one on the weekend that was played to really good effect. And just like, she can really, she can kind of like, they were calling her a social tank and that she could take a lot of like the social and like emotional problems that were hitting other people and kind of like take mm-hmm. them on herself to protect sort of like empathetic healing in a sense to so like protect her friends yeah. from that trouble. Cause she knew she could handle it if her friends couldn't. So it was like, really, yeah. it really played to what I want the character to be.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah.
1: And then there's a, there's a set of dark princesses, which I'm not going to get into right now. And then these Gemini, though so the dark princesses are kind of like, not necessarily like evil, but like, they've got like a, uh, actually I'll, I'll say a secret. There is an evil princess. <laughs> oh no. Yes, exactly. So it's very, definitely wanted an evil princess in the game. Yeah. That's one of her favorite tropes. She's gone as evil princess a couple times on Halloween. Um, and then there's a, there's two other ones that sort of fall into that framework. And then there's some, what I'm calling the Gemini princesses. So they're princesses mm-hmm. with like a dualistic nature. Mm-hmm. They're, they have not really been developed yet. So they're just in the very early concept stage. Cool. So lots of choices. Right. And there's like a one final princess that just came up recently that stands all by herself. And I'm not going to say her name right now because it's a stretch goal. <laughs> oh, all right. And then the players themselves will customize those characters. Like there's definitely, there's the archetypical, like archetype that they're in with a playbook, but within they mm-hmm. get to design and customize like their powers and abilities and, um, like what they're known for, I guess.
0: Ooh. Okay.
1: Yeah. It's a lot of fun. And
0: part of it, I remember, uh, part of it's a little bit like a coloring book too. Like, like you have that, that kind of control, right? Yes. Aren't you? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like I'm definitely going for the design aesthetic of it being a coloring book as well as a rule book. Mm-hmm. So just physically the the book will be all done in line art, like black and white line art. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because part of the game is like making your mark in the world. Like one of the taglines is what color is your crown and you're deciding that. And the playbooks always have places to draw and scribble. Like I I have these like yeah. like using hollow fonts. Like I was once playing with um oh. like, like a group a group of like grade 4 girls and like when one of the girls wasn't actually like in the scene, I saw her like coloring in the letters. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. yes, that is exactly, that is exactly what I want people to do with this.
0: (laughs) Perfect. So with all of these different approaches to things in princess world, what is the world like?
1: Well, that's the thing. I know there there are a lot of amazing, like really detailed fantasy and science fiction worlds that people have made for different role-playing games. Mm -hmm. But I find that I feel that they're done then. Like, you're just there as a visitor when you make a character in those worlds. So mm-hmm. my design aesthetic uh, for almost all my games is that the players are going to make this world first. So it's all about sort of the collaborative world building and going back and forth between both the weaver as game master and all the other players contributing to what is in the world. If you're playing the chapter mode or not chapter mode, the short story mode, every person, the player ex- says a problem that princess world is facing. And then the players decide amongst themselves what they're going to attack or, or, or tackle or handle. So there's no it's also a secret thing so that the game master doesn't have to do a lot of prep. That's my secret reason for doing it. Um
0: I love that reason. It's my favorite reason. So
1: you so you give the, <laughs> the you give the players some of that creative load to make ideas mm-hmm. and I find that there's a lot more buy-in that way in that they yeah. can one you as a game master or weaver can see what the other players are interested in. So you're not bringing something to the table that they're going to be like, "Oh, not this." Mm -hmm. Um, because they've sort of contributed and they start feeding off each other's ideas and creativity. I just find that people really jump into the ideas then and are really excited and want to pursue them. So world building and princess world is like that. It's very genre mixing. Mm -hmm. Like you can have Mm -hmm. a space princess. I mean, we've had a space princess who was like the ambassador of a high tech society. And then Mm -hmm. we had a fairy princess who did magic and they hated each other, right? Because. Each one had sort of an opposite approach. Like, so that made for some interesting, like, conflict and also having to, like, resolve your differences, which is a a core concept in Princess World.
0: Let's see, I'm trying to remember, it's been a little while since I played, but that was, I remember that was something that we came up with together when I played, was like the, the issues that you were tackling. So like, it was, it was coming, solving our, our interpersonal things, but then also solving some things about the world. Yeah.
1: The, The players will express sort of external, I mean, I've got a list that I do that are like they were generated by what I call the Brave Young Princess Society, which is like my, mm-hmm. my younger playtester group. Mm-hmm. So they made a list of interesting problems that are just like they're just narrative statements, and then the players investigate and we you play to find out what happens. As Weaver, yeah. uh, you don't have any idea if they're interlinked or not. I mean, the Weaver has has the agency to say like, oh yeah, these two will work together, cool, and can mm-hmm. and can push the narrative in that direction. But if the players decide they're not even going to touch those then the weaver has to roll with it. Yeah. So some of those examples are, and I I like these ones a lot because they're they're very sort of storybooky. Mm-hmm. Um so it goes like the the moon's reflection is missing, like whatever that means. And like
0: Yeah. And
1: um so yeah the moon's reflection is missing. Uh animals have started to act evil. Mm. these play the players like these girls just love that one for some reason but it's like this the idea like what is what does that mean and why would it happen Mm. what else are ones oh the pirate fleets have been staying close to shore so maybe that means there's something scary out in the ocean or maybe the pirates are attacking some more um Mm -hmm. and then the maiden in the moon is angry so like it's not the man in the moon it's the maiden in the moon and for some reason she's mad so often Mm -hmm. you go up into space and try to see what's going on or maybe it's the reflection oh right there's one other one the spider queen's castle is on the move. Ooh. So you have this, vi- I always have this visual of this giant castle with lots of legs wa- crawling Ooh, like slowly legs. across the landscape. Cool. So yeah, you got weird, creepy storybook stuff that yeah. you have to deal with.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's very creepy. I love it. Yeah.
1: No, it's fine. And then, and then I've played that, like I've played with those sort of starting conditions multiple times and it is never the same game.
0: Yeah. I, I can imagine you actually got my me, me thinking talking about the your group of young players that came up with some of these things since this game is played and run by younger players, how do you help set up the weaver it like if if this is like an int- introductory game if these are young players this is they're coming into this with. Probably not a lot of knowledge about
1: role-playing games, right? That's right. Um, One of the things that I really am trying to reinforce with uh, the Weaver position is that you don't own the game and you don't own the story. mm -hmm. In fact, that's the very first bit I give to the Weaver is it says in like big, bold letters, this is not your story. So that they don't feel that they have to tell a story and entertain the other players and also that they don't have to feel... Like, I don't know if it's disappointed or hurt if like things that they make and the other players either don't engage with or destroy, right? Like, oh, I made this awesome bad guy or I made this awesome character and no one wants to play with them. So sort of touching on those notes. And then the other aspect of it is that I really want to push is that it is completely okay to ask the other players like for advice or for input. Like you don't have to sit there and make it up all yourself. Like I found like as as a dungeon master when I was young, you had to do all the work. Like you had to build everything, stat everything, draw all the maps, write everything out and have everything ready to go. And then if the players didn't engage with it, you were you felt like you pressured them into doing it anyway. And I don't want new – I mean, it's easier probably to go into that direction than to come out of that direction. So if a Mm -hmm. game – if a Weaver character or a Weaver player can figure out, yeah, I can facilitate this. I can roll with this. I can play to find out. Now I can be surprised by what happens and not just know the future as it were. Uh, I want them to feel comfortable in that. And also just you're all there together. This is one thing I really discovered with playing with inexperienced young players is they immediately grasp the idea that the game master is actually a player in the game, too, mm. but that it's a different role, but that they are that okay. they are part of it and that they should have a good time, too. Um, but that it's a different position. And so it's got different responsibilities and different, um, I guess, tools would be the right word for it. Um, But that they're, they're a player too. And it was like the way they expressed it, it came up about when I was talking about NPCs, you obviously know what an NPC is, right? What's an NPC?
0: It's a non-player character.
1: Exactly. And this is what I explained to them. I'm like, you're playing the PCs, which are the player characters. And I will play the NPCs, which are the non-player characters. And they were, they raised their hands like in school, like they would, they would immediately Mm -hmm. raise their hands. And I'm like, Hey, it was super cute. And I'm like, what, 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 what? And they're like, what's a non-player and i'm like oh no that just means like they're not they don't belong to you they belong to me when i run them and they're like yeah but aren't you playing too and i'm like whoa like this was like <laughs> opening my brain like kapoosh. so i made it a point that, uh, for the terminology in princess world is that there's nothing called an npc npc is not a term non-player character is not mm-hmm. a term in the game the the princesses are pcs which are protagonist or primary characters and everyone else that the weaver runs are scs which is secondary or support Mm -hmm. characters. And that also reinforces that they are not all the SCs as cool as they may be. Mm -hmm. If the spider queen is probably pretty cool. They are not who the story is about. They are there to support the story. So that's kind of what I'm trying to weave all together. I mean, yeah, it's it's a pretty grandiose plan, I think, but so far (laughs) it seems to be working.
0: It's working out so far. Um, Is, is there, a, was there ever a version of the game where the, the weaver was like a shared role or is there a reason that the weaver is their own separate role?
1: That is a great question. I think there's a couple things, probably because like the game mastery type role is like a legacy thing. Two, I personally love being the weaver or MC. I mean, it's, it's a mm-hmm. role I really enjoy in that it is, you're always on the hot seat. Um, I love like having to like draw in all the different threads and ideas that the players are throwing at you and like weaving it and bringing it back in something that's semi cohesive Mm -hmm. and understandable. Like I love that challenge. I find it a much more creative challenge. Mm -hmm. So I guess I kind of wanted to let players see that. And because it is such a common position in so many role-playing games to like have it in like, um, I hope in a more teachable form in this, in like in princess world, but then also I definitely want it that people can swap. Like I definitely want that. To be like, it's not an owned position.
0: Yeah.
1: But one, a person asked me about whether you could play princess world with just two players, like just a parent and a kid. And Mm -hmm. I hadn't originally designed that, but just talking about it. Yeah. I definitely have an idea for it now where you will swap off the weaver role in play Mm -hmm. as you're like deciding something for your character. The other person will make sort of the weaver decisions and uh, it'll just go back and Mm -hmm. forth. So you can play like a two player game.
0: Oh good, this good news for Jeff Stormer.
1: Yeah, no, see, oh, <laughs> Jeff Stormer, oh man, like I will so much want to play a game with Jeff, St- the man, Stormer, Jeff Mission Accomplished yeah. Stormer. Yeah. Um, but I just, I don't, I don't, I've never really designed for two player. Like I like a table of a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I like all the interaction and, and the, and the sort of like geometric progression of things, uh, versus like just the one on one. But yeah, this, if I can make it work, I'm calling him up and saying, get me on that show
0: yeah <laughs> you should oh man oh i know what we sure. want to talk about which is my favorite thing to talk about
1: Ooh, cool. um as
0: you were play testing this game yes what happened what did players do that completely just blew your mind
1: Ooh, that is neat that is neat oh i, I know when they really grasped and like even beyond what i had grasped. okay when you make your character, you've got a playbook, like in many Power by the Apocalypse games, and you've got like some moves and you've got stats, but you've got these things called truths, which are narrative statements that are like the power of your character or their special abilities. Like if you had a character in a story, what would be like four things that describe them? Like not just, not just descriptive text, but like pure of heart or uh, wields like an ancient rune sword or something like that. Like something that's interesting that would be in a story. So with the characters in princess world, every princess has four of these truths that the player defines. Mm-hmm. Um, they express them to the table and then, and then writes them down on their character, normally in their color, which they picked at the start or mm-hmm. in, in black. If the table judges the truth to be unpleasant, Ooh. which means it, it's a trouble causing a trouble causing truth. Not that it isn't yeah. powerful and awesome, but it's also going to probably yeah. cause you trouble. So it's just everyone, every princess has their own list. And they're like individual little things. And every so often a player will express a truth. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think of that way. You, you totally get it. And like, I've got to put this as an example. So uh, I had a character or a player who was playing a skateboard princess and the skateboard princess um, tells truths about her ride, her jacket, her style and herself. Okay. Those are her four truths.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: So the player was expressing the truth about his character's self. And they said this, I can't digest normal food. I eat batteries. And everyone at the table is like, that sounds really cool. But what does that mean? And the player's like, I'm a robot. Oh. So so instead of writing, I'm a robot, which is totally a valid truth. They wrote this cool sort of narrative thing. And what you can do with these narrative things in the game is you pull out other things, I call it narrative unpacking. I'm just making up all these Mm -hmm. silly phrases. But so if you think in a story, (laughs) what could someone do if they had this truth about themselves? Oh, she can probably survive underwater because she doesn't need air or food. So you can, anything you can sort of conceptualize out of that truth, Mm -hmm. you can then try to use in the game. I mean, if it doesn't come if it's not the core truth itself, you'll generally have to use a role to like, to see how well it works. But if you can think of a way that it, it it sort of follows from that truth, then you can use it in the game, and that's going kind to of give the narrative power. I've been told that it's kind of like aspects and fate.
0: Mm, okay. So, yeah, I see that.
1: So then I was playing um recently at uh, Dreamation, and a player was playing a Shadow Princess, and the Shadow Princess has a truth about her mask. That's one of her things. Mm-hmm. And the player goes, "Oh my!" it's like the player first asks, "Does this have to be a literal mask, like a piece of?" clothing or could it be something else? Right. And I'm like, Oh, that's a great question. And I'm like, the answer is yes, it can, it can be either. And the player's like, okay, my mask is that I appear to be a proper princess. And I'm like, that is amazing. So, so she was actually like a spy princess. It turned out. Mm -hmm. So she had this just perfect disguise. Like everyone thought she was just this light, fluffy, big gown princess. who was like completely useless in any kind of danger. Mm -hmm. And then she would like run off to a room and like terror and then super spy princess would show up. Oh. So yeah, it was like, so those kind of things when they really, that has blown my mind. And like, it sort of reinforced, like the idea of these truths is, is, is powerful.
0: Yeah. What else uh, should we touch on mechanically, if anything?
1: Let me think what we could talk about mechanically about princess world. I'm trying to make it a little more structured than sort of like base, like apocalypse world. Like I'm trying to build okay. a sort of scene mechanism where everything, everything in the game is like rated in like the number of scenes it requires to resolve.
0: Mm, Okay.
1: So so just to give pacing ideas for, for players. I mean, it's, it's technically, I guess it's optional, but I want it to be in there. So if something's easy, it takes a scene to do. And that might, that might be 50 rolls, uh, or it might be one, Mm -hmm. but if you, you can sort of, so if you've got a long journey, uh, through the mountains, but it's not gonna be a tough journey, Mm -hmm. even though it might take 20 days to do it, you just do one scene. Like you do the campfire you yeah, do the yeah. or you do one attack or something like this so you don't you're not bogged down with every bit of a minutia um and then something that was really tough so I was like say that spider queen like she's you're trying to convince her to like stop her castle from walking around everywhere and that might be really tough like it's what we call it's very hard it's going to take 3 scenes they might all be in her like throne room or ballroom but you have mm-hmm. to definitely have like we've resolved the first part. We've resolved the second part. We resolved the third part. So three pieces, um, yeah. just to give a little direction and structure that's primarily probably for newer players, but I find it's like, it, it gives a better pacing mechanic.
0: Yeah. To kind of go with that. Um, it is an apocalypse world, a powered by the apocalypse game. It's not your first time doing a powered by the apocalypse game. That's true. Um, what is it about powered by the apocalypse that that grabs you and and works
1: for you. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. I I told, I've told my story a lot of times about how I got like apocalypse world, just like it got given to me as a, like a Christmas present, like just the year it was released. And it just mapped Mm -hmm. to my GMing style, not having to roll dice. Yay. Never having to fudge (laughs) anything. Yay. Like just being able to like worry about story elements and, and putting them back and forth together. I mean, yeah, some technical stuff in the background. Mm -hmm. So I just, I just love that. like, I mean, what I like about Apocalypse World, like, so you could just say the dragon, you could open a scene like this. The dragon blasts you with fire. What do you do? Right? You couldn't do that in, like, when I was playing as a dragon, you couldn't, because that would be a whole bunch of damage. Your first level character would die. But in Mm -hmm. Apocalypse World, the players have options, even in that moment. Even, like, you could say, you're falling, you open a scene, you're falling to your death. What do you do? Yeah. So because because nothing has, like, mechanically happened yet, like, the character has... I like the agency of the characters being able to affect the world and like not be bound by, like the, I guess it's the freedom of not being bound by what the GM just said. Like that, mm. um, like always yeah. having an option out. And then as the, as the GM, never having to worry about pulling my punches. And the thing is, you can go light or hard as you like, right? And, and you're also, I guess, what I love about Apocalypse World and, and all the PBTA stuff is like the concept of being a fan of the player's characters. Like, Mm, like really a GM in any game can just say you die and like, there's nothing you can do, right? Okay. Let's pack up our books. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's like, it's just sort of implicit that you wouldn't do that because it wouldn't be fun. But with apocalypse world and and the BBJ stuff that it's right in there, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you're going to put them through the ringer because that's going to make an interesting story, Mm -hmm. but you're not there to be, I don't know, like destroy them or cruel or, or, or to power trip on them. You're there to like provide them, moments where their characters can shine and i think that's why i love pbta and uh yeah (laughs) yeah it was uh, nice love it
0: (laughs) yeah so so there was there was never a question that this is this is the system for this
1: and and just the way that this way moves and things can snowball like Mm -hmm. like you can have like the names of moves and you never speak their names but just the way you can link them together to make like it, it feels like it feels like a real story being told like I mean, you look at it retroactively yeah. and you're like, oh, it all makes sense. I mean, sometimes it doesn't, but you can like see sort of a narrative thread through things or like, or it can lead you forward. Like you can see where things could go and that you can be like as subtle as you want or as hard as you want. I was running mm-hmm. Apocalypse World once for like a younger group and they, and they were really, they were screwing some things up and some bad stuff was happening and clocks were filling. And there was eventually this mm-hmm. kind of like super bad clock and through their action and action, they filled it. And I made my hard move and my hard move was just this it's slightly warmer this morning that that was it. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, that was my hard move because basically they had not stopped sort of the, the global environmental cascade uh. that was coming. Um, and the world is going to burn now, but just that. And I'm like, yeah. sorry guys. <laughs> so like that subtlety, that narrative subtlety really like you look at the move names and you can just think of what, like, what does it mean to like show off screen badness or, um, Oh no. Oh, I love the move where you like, offer them like a choice or like give them, uh, how, how does it go? But like give them opportunity with or without cost or tell them what will happen. Um, and then they can do it like, Oh, what'll happen if I jump off here? You'll die. Okay. I jump. Okay. You die. Like, but, but, but no, no, like you knew that. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, for me, that's like, it just, it just like, I had a framework now to Mm -hmm. tell, like to, to explain how I'd been GMing before. So yeah, I fell in love with it. Yeah. Aw. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Vincent. Thank you, Meg.
0: <laughs> yeah, really. Thank, they've, they have, they are, uh, responsible for so many yes, things. Yes, it's, it's, I'm it's so grand. It. What, uh, what princess does Frey play?
1: Oh, she has her own princess that no one else gets. Um, Ooh. I, we call her the weaver princess. Um, mm, and great. it will never be a playbook, but of the playbooks that exist, she's very partial towards the Escaper princess and the shadow princess.
0: Nice.
1: Yeah, yeah. We it's, yeah. She's she's really excited to actually play play sometime.
0: Oh, that'll yeah. Be good. I'm excited too. Well, heroes can help make that happen. Let's uh, let's do this segue. I can I can nail this. Well uh, done, well <laughs> done. <laughs> Princess World, if we have caught your attention, is currently on Kickstarter. Uh, what's up? Tell us about this Kickstarter.
1: Oh um yeah, I'm super excited. This is my first actual Kickstarter for getting anything physically produced. Oh, yeah, I think- this is my. That's wow. Yeah, it is. It is like I'm really like jumping in the deep end. So, yeah, I coincided to I coincided it to start with Freya's birthday, which uh was February 19th. So I started on the 18th and I'm running it. I'm running it for I think I think it's 36 days enough to encompass. Like there's a bunch of conventions going on Dreamation, uh, PAX East and Breakout in Toronto. So I'm running games at all of those. Oh, whoa. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm really going crazy. But, yeah. um, uh, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun and it's been introducing a lot of people to both like PBTA and Princess Roll itself. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm doing it to generate funds for art and layout. And I've got a bunch of contributors that will actually be writing their personal origin stories as uh, gamers and how it relates to princesses. Mm-hmm. And I think I know a couple of them maybe are on this podcast. Mm, maybe. So I'm really excited about that um, just to like show like the diverse amount of people that play games and how role-playing games have improved their lives. And again, it's, it's going to be a larger book. It's not going to be the sort of standard PBTA um, size. It's going to be an, I'm looking at mainly an eight by 11 because one, it's going to be a coloring book. So it needs to be yes. bigger. And um, I'm talking to like the younger players. They like having a bigger physical object. Yeah. Uh, So that was definitely part of the design choices that I had to make for this. And I want there to be a lot of art and that Mm -hmm. I want to pay artists like good amounts of money to make some awesome art. And the two illustrators I've got right now, uh, Lauren and Clarissa are so like they understand the project. I can Mm -hmm. give them like minimal art direction. And they get the concepts and they've just produced some amazing stuff and there's some more amazing stuff to come and I want even more amazing stuff.
0: It looks so good. There's there's some up on the Kickstarter page and it's very nice.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Like, I want to show the diversity of both players and princesses mm-hmm. and that it can be outside your expectation and don't be limited.
0: Yeah. And I just, like, I want to hear, I always want to hear about everybody's games or characters that they make, but now I want to see everybody, uh, color in their coloring book. Like, yeah, for
1: sure, for sure. Because yeah, that's, I'm hoping that yeah, you can do it, you can color each character a different way and it'll Mm -hmm. be different. So yeah, all the, when I print out like the, the proof sheets of the coloring pages, like Freya always grabs them and colors them. And, uh, she's done some really, like she gets it. Like she, they're all different. So. Nice. Someone might have purple skin, someone might might have like yeah. silver skin, whatever. So she can just do it whatever she wants.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: She's a genius. She is great. Yeah. No.
0: Awesome. So we will have that linked for sure. Awesome. In the show notes and on the Twitter. Um and there's are all of the I'm looking at it now. I think most of the princesses are revealed. Or of the, the core? One?
1: There's the core of the core nine, I think yeah. eight are revealed, and then there are at least seven more to come.
0: Oh, okay, cool. So heroes has gotta get on this. And there's yeah. stretch goals. There's things to get done.
1: Yeah, there'll be stretch goals. I wasn't I didn't want to put any of the stretch goals out until we were fully funded. Mm-hmm. I mean that, maybe that was a bad choice on my part, but that's what I'm going mm-hmm. with. Um and we're almost there, so it's super cool. And then
0: Yeah, it's close.
1: So yeah, there'll be stretch goals for more art, for more princesses, um, and a few other elements that I want to include. Uh, I've got ideas for something called frameworks, which because princess world can be very, I mean, some people have described it as very gonzo because you can have a lot of mixed stuff um, and some people that makes them uncomfortable. So I've got some ideas yeah. for frameworks that you can say, oh, we're playing a science fiction setting. So everything Mm. in it will be sort of science fictionally oriented or we're playing in a high school setting where we are just kids in a school. So you can like theme it. uh, And I've got a bunch of those. They just give you some guidelines and ideas of the kind of adventures and stories that you would have in there and how princesses might work in different types of genres.
0: Perfect. Give us some more rules. Sometimes we need them.
1: Yeah. That's why I call it frameworks because like you can sort of like bust outside of it or you can just use it as like a guideline.
0: That's helpful. I think that would be, um, cause I, I know we've talked before about like setting expectations at con games. I yes. can see that being very helpful for sort of like, this is what we're doing.
1: No, exactly. I mean, for yeah. con games, I've generally run it super open, but explaining yeah. about the genre mixing. And most people seem to, I've had some people complain and some people, because I mean, you hear the word game princess world, you might think it's very light and fluffy and it yeah. can be, but there's sort of tone, there's tiers of tone. And sometimes yeah. people come in with a very, I'll tell you, sometimes kids come with a very dark approach, which is like neat, but sometimes adults come with a too dark approach. And, yeah. uh, yeah. So in, in, in later sort of, uh, additions, I'm going to talk about like theming and tone. Um, and just mm-hmm. sort of like, yes, exactly. So everyone has the same expectation and, and concept at the table.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something that we're kind of learning to do better just in games in general mm-hmm. and cons like, like having that conversation. So that's awesome and helpful
1: for sure. Um,
0: thank you. Anything else that we missed that you want to, you want to make sure heroes know about princess world. Um,
1: I think that nails a lot of it. I mean, if you, if you like my game stuff, uh, I do have a Patreon. Uh, if you want right. to support that way, that'd be great too. I'd like to like focus more on my game design as opposed to the other things I do. Um, I've got a lot of games on the back burner. Once princess world's ahead, I will return to the ward, modern medical drama. And then I've got a whole, I don't know. Probably every game designer has this massive folder full of like brilliant <laughs> ideas. Um,
0: uh-huh.
1: that I don't want to explore some more on. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited. Princess world has been hitting a lot of the notes I wanted to hit. And I just want to see it as a beautiful book that I can hand to my daughter and say, here's your game, honey. And, uh, and if other people can play it too, that's even better.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. All right. All those links and any other pertinent information are in the show notes. Um Thank you, Kevin. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you,
1: Megan. I'm really glad this worked out.
0: Yeah, me too. Huge thanks again to Kevin for being on and for this beautiful game. Check out the links in the show notes. The Kickstarter is still going. And follow Kevin for more brilliant gems from both of his clever kids. That's all for this week, heroes. Follow Modifier on Twitter at Modifier Podcast or send us questions, comments, and suggestions through email at ModifierPodcast at gmail.com. Modifier is part of the OneShot Podcast Network, an incredible family of RPG podcasts, including shows like this one. The Broadswords is an all-women D&D podcast focused on drama, roleplay, and subverting stereotypes. Join the Broads as they unravel the mysteries of Snowy Reshimen, a land ruled by witches and steeped in superstition. Berserkers reign and spirits roam the frozen wastes. Yelaris, Kayla, and Mapri all have their own reasons for journeying north, but they soon find they have something in common. They are pawns of a divine plot. To find out more about this and other shows on the network, visit oneshotpodcast.com modifier's theme music was created by my favorite boffin cat greenfield whose myriad talents are on display at catgreenfield.com join me again in two weeks for another episode of modifier see you then